nine points. Yeah, but I mean, if you include the after hours, it's closer to much higher than that. Because um, let me just see at the close. Yeah, it closed pretty. It closed at uh, twenty six forty seven. Mm -hmm. Now it's at twenty six sixty three. Uh, That's what I have it. Twenty six fifty seven. But the high was twenty six sixty eight, and then in the daytime it was sixty eight fifty. So we mm -hmm. still haven't gone higher than the highest point. Uh, that was at like around three fifty two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyways, that's a, that's a definitely one of the largest rallies in in history. But it's this is just that's not like the end of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, all of our stocks, every single one of them went up today. Um, yeah. Yeah. So now, the, the biotech, um, that code exploded today. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, insane. And you know, I was like, I don't know, $2 today alone. And then Netflix is up $18. Yeah. Um, and then I think we talked about 3M that's up almost $7 today. Yeah. That's pretty big for like a big cap stock for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and it's just so funny because I keep hearing about um, how there's so much bad news and people are saying that it's priced into uh, the market at this point and that the only thing that's going to bring down the market is good news. <laughs> Pretty much because the, the good news, see, here's the, the interesting thing about it is that there's always good news and bad news that people have and they don't put it out. They always, it's almost like they, they only focus on showing you the bad news when the market's going down right you know and and then when the market's going up they show you good news so it's not like they're what there's not bad news they just kind of like you know if things look good and they're having a party they kind of bias their bias is not to see the uh the bad they just try to like look for the good stuff that's explaining they try to explain after the fact mm -hmm. why it went up and then but really, it was always there, the bad news. And finally, it goes up. And then the people that bought at the bottom take their profits mm -hmm. and it starts going down. So they just take the, the news that was and then they just start regurgitating the news that wasn't talked about that was mm -hmm. bad. And then mm -hmm. they add it with bad news that people talk about because people are talking about bad news. So they're creating their own news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, sometimes you do get some real news, but. Most well, time. that's what's so interesting about, you know, what we have at our disposal here is that it's, it's ahead of the curve. Everyone else is reactionary. Uh, there's very little research that they, they actually do. I mean, I, I do come across, you know, the occasional post where it's, wow, some real research went into this. Sure. Um, yeah. But more often than not, it's like, hey, um, uh, let's see what uh, China says that the coronavirus, the, uh, the levels are going down what should I buy, right? Without actually thinking about the companies themselves and if it's even worthwhile to buy them. Exactly. They're, they're looking for big picture solutions to small picture purchases. Yeah, I mean, sometimes that works. Like that can work when you're like at a panic low. Right. And there's, because the market, like in the, it's easy coming off the bottom if you get a huge move in the S&P that mm -hmm. it lifts all boats, good and bad. Mm -hmm. the, the, to really know like what you're holding when you get once this rally like it doesn't have to totally end but once you even get a retracement before going up again you, what you really need to do is look at which stocks 
are really, really getting slaughtered on the down days, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then seeing how they perform when there's a new high. And then finally, when the rally ends, which are the ones that are actually, uh, you know, still keeping their, their uptrend. Those are the ones that you actually want to look at and study as a company. And, but there's so many companies, I just rather not study stuff that's just going to be going nowhere. I just mm -hmm. like, okay, do your analysis, figure out which ones are going to be, have a bias to good information and not a bias to negative. And then you could take your list down from like 12,000 equities down to like 40 and mm -hmm. then just shut off all the other ones and just focus on the 40 and know them as best as you can. Cause there's like two theories in, in, um, in investing. One theory is, okay, diversify, you know, uh, forever, you know, maybe have like so many things in your portfolio, you don't know what to do with it. The mm -hmm. average investor doesn't have enough money, uh, you know, and or enough time to like watch all those things. So the smarter way is have a, uh, just enough diversification. Like I'd say the optimal number is probably, if you're not a trader and really watching things, I'd say probably somewhere between 12 and 15 uh, ideas that are kind of in at least four different industry categories. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and then just watch your basket <laughs> really closely. Because if you understand what, you know, the nuances of the company and why it's performing, then it just becomes easier getting into the rhythm once you know what you should be. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's kind of the, you know, the way that people look at the stock market. It's one of the reasons why um, it's so hard to predict and why you'll have initial success, but then long-term you're, you know, long-term you're, likely to be unsuccessful yes yeah no for sure uh in terms of today i just you know not every day in the market is there something monumental to talk about that's new but there's always something uh that i think has changed today it's something i've been talking about for a while that i pretty much been harping on is that hey ultimately this year silver and gold are going to explode to the upside. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, silver, especially, as I said before, was being like battered down for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. It's an industrial metal too, and supply chains are disrupted. Maybe some of the mines aren't operating to capacity. Uh, it's relatively small industry group, so it's extremely uh, illiquid. So any kind of negative news could pound it down. But that's exactly the kind of market that uh, people like Warren Buffett would love to uh, buy into. So, so anyways, and it's also the kind of market that I'm interested in. And, and also systems that are based on contagion, that model information and, and uh, how people interact in emergency situations, like when you're in a crisis, economic or health, they form quite predictable patterns that are in plain sight, but not necessarily visible to most people that are focused on strategies of kind of buying strength and riding what the majority of the people are doing. So it just really struck me that, you know what, we've been really came down really, really hard in silver. Gold did come down initially, but it rebounded significantly when silver over the past 
little while has definitely underperformed uh, gold. But, but now uh, silver is showing like, well, this morning I got, it was actually yesterday, I got, uh, was reviewing the, the markets on the weekend and it showed that there's gonna be a massive uh, potential uh, rally. And I'd say it's not potential now, I'd say it's, uh, Definitely. It's, yeah, it's quite well. We know that it rallied today, but I, I don't believe that's the final uh, leg to that. Uh, I do see that. I'm just going to put the chart of silver on right now. And, and this is something that we've been talking about since the beginning. Since the, absolutely, since the beginning. But now that there's signs of people getting a little positive on you know, the idea that some of these exponential numbers are not exponential anymore, whether in reality, you know, like the reality is there's a, a, a number of days of a lag, like five to 10 day lag between people that were case counts and then people that actually are going to end up in intensive care or worse. Mm -hmm. So right now um, they're focused on the case counts, but, you know, once they start watching the news and seeing how, you know, dangerous the situation is, even if the case counts come down temporarily or even more than temporarily, uh, they, you know, there's, they're going to focus on potentially, um, hey, you know what, maybe we should own a little bit of uh, a silver. Also, right now, they're probably thinking, hey, if the case counts are coming down, maybe we should be investing in these stocks because they've already assumed the worst and uh and maybe now if the case counts are getting better maybe these mines are going to be operational in full capacity a lot faster mm -hmm. so because this is all about perception so if that's what they perceive that's what's real right and these indicators that i'm using uh, they're proprietary they're they're showing me that uh yeah the there's a few dates that are extremely interesting we entered one in the uh you know, in the evening hours of the uh, futures session for silver futures uh, on Sunday, but uh, all day today we were we're in one of those time zones. It's short term, but this significant one comes in somewhere around April the uh, the 14th or the 16th. So as we get closer to those dates there's a couple scenarios that are going to play out. This rally is going to, at some point, uh, come to an end in the short term. And then there'll be some kind of pullback. So as we get that pullback, prior to the, the, uh, that period, the 14th to the 16th, then I'd be having another podcast talking about silver and really honing in on, okay, these are the levels in the short term you should get in on so that you could participate in the intermediate and long-term. But there's another scenario that this rally that we have right now could bleed right into those dates. And there could be just a, you know, a relentless buying pressure that happens. Those are a little less likely. That's usually not how markets work. Usually you get action on the short term that sucks intermediate and long-term traders in. Uh, and then there's a pullback and then they start having doubts and then you get into the key data, the 14th to the 16th, and then you have the ability to get a short-term signal in confluence 
with that date that we have on the 14th to the 16th. Now, that 14th to the 16th, depending on how high uh, and how the market trades into it, as we get closer to the date, I will refine that information. So whether you know it becomes a day earlier or a couple days later, that's pretty much irrelevant. That's not focused, be fixated on an exact day. It's, it's the idea of looking and getting ready to really um, find your opportunities. And there's a couple of big names uh, you know, in the space, uh, but those names, there's two names in the small cap space. Those, um, just to protect the premium subscribers, it would be unfair to them to actually release it because they are paying customers. But I can tell you that if silver goes up the way I believe it's going to be going up this year, then uh, even the silver ETF, like the SILV or the SIVR, which is another silver ETF, it's the Aberdeen Standard Silver Trust, physical silver shares. So they actually, um, there's actually physical silver attached to it. So that's one that a lot of people like. It's less, it's not as liquid. So for traders, a lot of people still like trading the, uh, the SILV. Excuse me, I did not mean SILV. Uh, let me just backtrack on that. That's uh, Silvercrest. Uh, I, I am referring to the, uh, let me just get the silver ETF up right now. So I'm referring to the SLV, uh, the um, iShares Silver Trust. Those are, that basically, is designed to track silver. I mean, nothing is going to track silver as much as just silver itself because any ETF has a tracking error, but it is the one that people who want exposure to it through ETFs, that's the go-to one. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, to, to acquire leverage, there, there is an ETF called the AGQ, uh, that, and I'm, I'm bringing it up for a couple of reasons. Um, unless you're a sophisticated trader and you really know what you're doing and you're trading really short term, this is a vehicle that's meant for very short term trading, like a few days. Because uh, what happens is any kind of leveraged ETF that um, goes up more than just the price of silver, you know, whether it's two times leverage or three times leverage, those types of ETFs ultimately. Um, erode over time and they they tend not to track uh the actual underlying so but i'm bringing it up because i know some people are going to be thinking about buying them when i mention silver's going up and i just want people to know that there's that extra risk and and unless you get a monumental move uh over an intermediate uh term period and it's not too elongated then you'll be fine but it's just a very wild beast. Like, so beware. Um, a better way, I would say, is to just find quality equities uh, in, the, in the mining space that have increasing profiles of production and uh, that have enough money to weather uh, a situation where, you know, if the mines have to be kind of offline for a number of months, there are otherwise what some of these companies do is they issue um, extra shares in the market and then basically the stock drops because more there's more supply of the shares mm -hmm. 
Some people take on additional debt because they don't want to uh, hurt their stock price. So in that situation, that's fine. I mean, interest rates are relatively low right now. So, but, you know, companies, mining companies that aren't necessarily, you know, doing a lot in the production space and are still potentially, let's say, exploring, uh, they could be more, you know, they could be under more pressure relative to other ones. So just stick to the names that have those higher production levels and have a, a good balance sheet. Um, one way to participate is also through the, um, there's the junior silver mining ETF for uh, stocks. And then there's also the, uh, the, uh, the non-juniors. So the non-junior is the SIL and the juniors is the SILJ. And there's also streaming companies that make money by loaning money out to companies that need money in order to increase their production or for other activities. And they end up getting a cut of future production. So it's a very um, low risk way of participating and getting leverage in the price of an, of an increase in the silver price. So uh, I'm just looking at, there's a couple names in that space. I just wanna just see if it looks relatively interesting right now. Uh, one name in the space is uh, Wheat and Precious Metals. It used to be heavily into silver, but since silver is underperformed for so long, they try to kind of get more exposure like a lot of other companies into gold. Mm -hmm. So uh, that one looks, uh, it looks interesting in the intermediate term. Uh, it's just that it doesn't look nearly as good as those premium ones that I'm indicating to the subscribers. Uh, but yeah, intermediate term, I could give you some information here. I'm really expecting uh, there's gonna be probably a period from in the second half of the year could be from August onward that there could really be a tear in, um, in the whole space uh, of uh, silver equities. Uh, it's, but one thing to keep in mind, just like when a, uh, the S&P goes up, it takes everything up. So even if certain stocks wouldn't have gone up by themselves without the overall market and the underlying going up, uh, these names like Silver Wheaton could go significantly higher with a very strong rise in silver. But in terms of when its own chart on its own right shows potential, it shows it like after August. And like, especially let's say price was to be, you know, if price was at $27 to, you know, to $27.50 and we were in August, then I'd be really taking a big good look at it but as of right this second there's there's plenty of resistance between where it is right now and 32 dollars so it really needs silver and uh non-negative news on any of its kind of loans to perform mm -hmm. so um i'm just going to try to see if i could provide because i want to provide some information to the general public that's not going to get in the way of uh the premium subscription that's still going to be very useful in the short term. So I'm going to try to see what the SILJ is showing right here and see if there's an opportunity uh, still here. Well, 
is some very short-term action uh, that could pop in here. I'm seeing, well, it's not quite, it's not quite as clear as some of the, you know, those two names that I've really identified. There's two names that are just screaming. And I, I wish I could share it with uh, everyone here, but I think at the very least, I've, I've shared the idea that silver itself uh, has potential. And uh, with that potential, you could still participate um, with the uh, silver ETF. If I do come across something uh, that isn't, you know, in that, that portfolio, the model portfolio for the premium subscribers, then I uh, definitely will bring it to the attention of the audience. Yeah, right, right at this moment, I, I don't see that. So yes, these names could go higher, but they're gonna have to go higher based on uh, just silver lifting the boat. There is one that I'm kind of eyeing. I'll, I'm gonna mention one name uh, that is gonna tremendously increase their production. Uh, and I don't want you to just go out and just, this is extremely volatile stock, but it's a stock that has incredible potential in a major bull market in silver. I do expect that major bull market to erupt this year, but if you buy it, if we don't, if the rally happens in the back end of the year, like at the extreme level, and this stock holds back, this is the kind of stock that could be in a, a very wide range. It could be like from eight bucks, uh, you know, down to, uh, to six bucks. <laughs> so, um, but that's not really more volatile than some of the smaller names. There are names that are like a buck that, you know, that some of them like are 50, 60%, uh, you know, volatile. Uh, yeah this name also has been very high. Like if you go back to when we had that last uh, significant rally, it was all the way up at $10 and 61 cents back on March the 26th. So it is down quite a bit from the high and compared to what the potential low is, it's not, it's pretty balanced. So that's a very, I would say that one is, is quite interesting uh, to look at. Yeah. So it's mag silver, the symbols of MAG. And the, just looking over here, I'm seeing some action, something, there's, an, there's some indications here right now that show that potentially worst case scenario is that if this thing doesn't continue up in, you know, in the next few days, well, I wouldn't even say next few days, there's a setup here that if it just consolidates in, in the area of where it is to, anywhere between there and $7 and 90 cents. Uh, and then comes back above, let's say uh, $8 and 21 cents anytime after, let's say 10, 18 in the morning on the 7th of April, then you could have another significant leg up. Uh, but the best, I, what I would really love this thing to do, if this thing's really gonna like, just be the perfect kind of setup, it would be really nice if it could just consolidate and stay like kind of, you know, in the eight range, like even underneath 820 and do that for like a, a half a day and then break out above 821. That would really give it legs for like, like a massive pop in the short term. And in terms of the, um, the longer term uh, potential here, longer term, 
Well, in the short term, there's, there's resistance up at 1022, but that's a really nice move. Like if it, if it could get, you know, from 821 to 1022. If in the, if in the next couple of days, as we have our future podcasts, um, it starts pushing towards there, but there's indications that, hey, it may not make it there. I'll indicate at that time that, um, you know, where the uh, resistance is at that point. And I could indicate um, some areas where to buy it on a pullback. But longer term, uh, again, like it's still, it's, it's showing August. If you really want this thing to finish, like this is all trading right now. So yes, there's money to make as a trade with the price of silver going up. And, and depending on how high silver goes in the short term, this thing could go higher than 10, but I just, I would just say, yeah, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll take my money there. Um, but I could see a case for sometime after July or in August, wherever the price is, I don't care whether it's lower or whether it's higher, that this thing could really be extremely interesting for, uh, you know, several hundred percent rally, you know, uh, but so right now it's on the watch list for the long term. But in the near term, I'm expecting uh, that there could be some interesting activity with uh, a rise in silver. So yeah, that's one name. I'll probably end up adding that name to the premium list. But the fact that it's not on there right now, um, I have no problem sharing it with everyone. Mm. I'm sure our listeners will uh, will thank you at some point. <sighs> yeah, I just I just wish I could share the others because I'm. Like those are just like screaming. So, but you know, if the listeners do want access to that, um, they could basically, um, they can sign go up. on to link, they could go on <laughs> to my LinkedIn uh, website and uh, there's, they could subscribe there uh, through Slack. Well, we've got the S&P moving up. Uh, we got that going. Also a few days ago, we were talking about biotech mm -hmm. and there's just, it seems to be expanding. There's some, there's, there's quite a, quite a few names in the space. Like we mentioned, uh, Regeneron the other day. It mm -hmm. kind of, it popped uh, in the morning, then had a, uh, a retracement a bit, and then kind of came back at the end of the day. But this is not just a trade. Like this, this thing is in play as a trade, and this thing is totally in play as a intermediate and long term play. Right. This thing, this is like one of the most promising large cap this stocks. is not the get rich quick stock well it can be i mean, I mean potentially scenario, but yeah this is a yeah, longer a, term even well there's a scenario that in in the coming months it could double wow yeah but i i don't want to go there with that it's like okay if it doesn't double it's not one of those like oh it's just a, a COVID play and if everything gets better this thing is just and if it's not the winner of the space let's say Hey, somebody else, uh, you know, wins uh, the drug that's going to like help everyone out. I don't think it's going to just be one drug. I think there's going to be a composite of drugs that are going to help out. So they could be a winner. Another group could be a winner. But usually it's like the, the $2 biotech stocks nobody's heard of that are coming up with something where they had nothing. And then all of a sudden they go from a small amount of money. It's easy to take, you know, a company that makes hardly anything or negative revenue <laughs> and turn it into uh, something that's blockbuster. And then of course you get those 
you know, 10,000% rallies overnight or in a month. So I expect that to happen. Uh, so uh, there's going to be probably two or three names that'll go up 10,000% or more in this, in this space over the next couple of years and possibly even 30 fold in, by the end of this year. Wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. One of those names are in the, uh, in the premium package. Uh, but uh, there is one name that I could mention that I can mention today that I didn't put in there yet. That looks interesting. They did a lot of research. Um, they were very successful in uh, dealing uh, with, uh, with the SARS-1. And there's a lot of cross between the SARS-1 and, and this uh, new version. Well, so- I actually, there was a study um, how there were scientists that were warning about a SARS-like virus um, in the Middle East. No, not in the Middle East, in, uh, in Asia. And I think it was back in 2007 when they were warning about this. Um, and it was very similar to SARS. And I think it is exactly what's happening now. And I, I think the, the company that you're about to bring up, um, AIM? Yep. Immunotech? Yes. AIM Immunotech? Yes, I am. AIM, the symbol, absolutely. And it has a, a very special signature that I look at that stocks that are about to do massive moves have that signature and it actually i wasn't looking at the stuff like at the time when it had that initial rally um back in february 28th i was looking at a number of other ones uh but i wasn't looking at this specific stock it was rather illiquid for quite a while i mean not that it's liquid now but it's definitely more liquid because it's on the radar uh so uh, but in, in retrospect, looking back, yes, there was a signal on a short-term time frame. Probably not something I'd want to share for the super, long, you know, for an intermediate term or investment. But now that we we had that rally, it started off at uh, oh, back in like February 26, it closed at a dollar 20, and then uh, when the scare really started coming out about uh, COVID, it started escalating on March the 9th. It rallied as as high as $7.11. So that's like a massive move in, in a few days. Right. But then it suffered a very precipitous fall, which most stocks do, even if they're not going to be good stocks in the future, but also if they are going to be good stocks. It's very typical uh, to have a, uh, you know, people that make a multi-hundred percent gain in a few days wanting to take profit. And uh, a lot of people did. And then it comes down to a level where uh, people say, hey, you know what? I like this company. Maybe we should step in. And then it finds a support base for it to launch another rally or not. But in this case, it looks like it's likely going to launch another rally that's going to far surpass the high that we had on March the 9th. Um, Yeah, that's what it looks like right now. We're right in the thick of it. So this thing, like it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying, like I, I hate talking about you know, uh, doubles and triples and quadruples like over in less than a week. But there is a scenario. I mean, <laughs> it's a scenario like uh, where um, some interesting things could happen between now and the 16th. So let's put it this way. If biotech stocks start exploding and you see the news saying, oh, biotech stocks are exploding every day. And uh 
And then, and then you hear in the news, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you could know which one of those biotech stocks out of the, out of the numerous number that do nothing when biotech goes up, a lot of them will just go down. And because the thing is people focus on where the green is. And if things are going up, they kind of, the crowd kind of chases after it. Right. So I, I think this could be one of those stocks that will be one of those chaser areas if there's a big move in biotech. So it's, so if you're a believer in biotech and you want to be able to magnify that advantage, this could be an interesting name, both, both as a trader and as an intermediate term investor. And uh, so, yeah, going into the 16th. But besides that, price-wise, I think there's unfinished business. That original move we had from the uh, $1 range up to seven, um, actually the target um, is somewhere around, uh, just wait a second. I think this thing is giving me some wrong information here. Just wait. Uh -oh. No, it shows 7-Eleven. That was right. Yeah, so that's correct. Uh, it's showing about 1184. So 1184 is kind of the area that I'm eyeing for this stock. Um, it could happen as before the, the 16th. And if it's not before the 16th, then, then it's not, and it's going to happen. But it's, but I could tell you one thing is that this thing is in play for a bit because uh, the next <laughs> short-term resistance, like I always like looking at like, okay, yes, we're, we're like, you know, the potential is to go to 11. And then when we're at 11, it doesn't mean you can't go higher. It just means I'm just going to have to, that's the most I could say right now about it without mm -hmm. getting another signal shorter term or longer term to tell me it's going further. So, uh, but interference in the, in the near term is like, there's some inter, like uh, resistance up at the 578 area. So, you know, if we get into the 16th and we haven't really got beyond that, then, you know, I would be looking at taking profit, tightening up whatever stops you has you have as a trader, but, uh, you know, and, and, and then using that cash to trade around a core position. Cause if, if we do get above, uh, especially I'll give two scenarios here. If we do get above $7 and 11 cents and, and, and get a complete day that trades above there, then any kind of pullbacks, no matter how deep. And I, when I say no matter how deep, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like when you're in biotech, you got one thing you have to assume is that if you're a believer in a long-term trend, there's, there's very few biotech stocks that don't go through 80, 90% corrections. If you want to be in that move, that's going to be like the, uh, the 30 bagger or whatever. So um, I'm not saying it's this case, but I'm saying you know, there's a scenario that you could go up to $5. And if it fails there, uh, you would still be in a bull market if it went all the way down to 223. So that's why I say take half off. And then just stick in an order at 223. If it never gets there, you make money on the, uh, the half of the position you have and you just ride it on the way up. I, I always have to mention the caveat that uh, we're not investment advisors. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just strictly trying to provide market intelligence to people so that they can then take that information at their own risk. And it is um, advisable that uh, everyone should um, consult with a professional advisor uh, in order to, um, you know, to make sure that if you are taking on risks that's like that volatile, that it represents a very, very small portion of your portfolio so that it doesn't um, impede 
whatever your goal is in your overall portfolio. Uh, yeah, so this uh, looks interesting there, but let's say we get, um, you know, on into the 13th and price is at 668 and it and stays there for a day. At any day that it, like, I'll give you an example here. Let's say we get a pullback, but now it's, let's say May and we're sitting at uh, $5.39. I'd still be looking at most likely there's going to be additional buy signals that are going to be setting up in there for it to ultimately achieve that uh, $11 target. So uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting from a reward to risk point of view, considering that uh, a move from 285 to 11 uh, is far greater in percentage term than um, a pullback, even if it goes back to a dollar, you know, but I, I, I don't think really short term, it's going to do that. Like if I go, I'm going to go down to a really intraday time frame, really short intraday time frame, just to see what the potential uh, risks are. And uh, at this point, when I go down to that level, the really, really short term, it's, there's a, there's a lot of support. Like the key thing is there's a lot of fighting support here at uh, $2.08. Yeah, so in the $2.08 range. So if this thing is really gonna try to, you know, launch any kind of significant um, rally, really, you know, anytime quickly going into the, uh, the, you know, the second or third week of the month, you don't really want to see it you know, spending so much time below 210. Now, uh, if it gets underneath 210, it doesn't, it, it, I, I'm, still, I'm still bullish on this thing, intermediate term. It just means that you have to resign yourself to the fact that, hey, you know what? Uh, this thing, uh, you know, could come back into the ones again. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, but then it would just set up another setup. So, so the thing is, if you're aware that the, that could happen, then whatever you intend to put in, just put in half of that. <laughs> and then if it was to come down there, you could buy the other half. If it doesn't, then, then you don't care. I always like setting up a trade where if it goes up, you make money. And if it goes down, you don't care because you just want to buy more. But if you just put in everything that you're allowed to put in because you don't have anything else to put in and it goes down, you're more likely to get out of the trade when it's in a small profit without getting the big profit because you're, you're always worried that you're going to, turn a gain into a big loss but if it's like oh it's just it's a it's a gain on half of the position it's kind of like oh i hope it goes down because if it goes down you're pretty confident that it's going to go up again so that's i, I kind of like cheerleading for either side and and that kind of keeps me psychologically in check to hold a trade to its uh, target without getting stopped out at the wrong time what would it take to be like why aren't why don't you want to create like a hedge fund I, I do. Oh, you do? I, I do, but I'd rather have, I don't, I don't want to have, like, it's a big hassle to have a hedge fund. And for like, I'm really, really interesting, interested in the analysis and the market intelligence and, and the trading itself. I'm not so interested in the red tape, the regulation, the business. So it would have to be one of two scenarios. One, partnering with a hedge fund that basically uh, 
sets up a private unit where it basically, or they already have everything set up. I don't have to worry about the red tape and we share in the profits that are derived from the strategy. The other scenario is to keep it super simple, find some extremely ultra high net worth uh, angel investor that basically sets up a significant account. And basically as um, we, uh, the account demonstrates value that we're doing tremendously well, that they would have deep enough pockets to just keep on putting more money in. Mm -hmm. So some, you know, find some billionaire or, you know, that could actually put maybe 10 million in at the beginning and then, Hey, it's working. He could add as he sees performance. And mm -hmm. this way you don't have to find, you know, deal with like thousands of investors or hundreds of investors. It would be nice just to have. Well, that's one of the reasons why you're offering your services as running alpha is because it allows you to uh, do the research and work with your uh, systems and you don't have to deal with the red tape, but you're still in the space and able to provide that intelligence. Exactly. Good to know. Yep. But, uh, you know, if I am set up at some point uh, as, a, as a fund, then, yeah, I'll certainly uh, let people, uh, you know, know that I'm, I'm doing that just because I'm going to have to have a caveat there because if I'm actually trading on behalf of clients and then, you know, providing market intelligence, you know, people, people would need to know that, hey, you know what, like, you're doing that. So, because a lot of, like, some people will actually give market information out um, on a podcast or whatever, and then basically say things just in order that the stocks they own go up mm -hmm. where they really don't care about the people on the podcast. They just care about making money. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, my number one passion is like basically following the strategy and, and, and watching it in amazement that, you could actually apply mathematical modeling of crowd physics to the financial markets and then see how you know it plays out in real time without guessing whether your theory is correct. You could have it proven each and every day that the markets are probably the greatest experiment that has ever lived in terms of proving a theory, you know, so. And so far it's, it, it's looking good. So very good. Any other uh, areas that you came across today that. I mean, I did, um, I did save this post, but it has to do with puts and calls. Um, and then there was, uh, it was funny because they're, they use the same language that you do sometimes short gamma or gamma profile. Uh, yeah. But uh, the thing is, marrying the gamma just using the the gamma alone without marrying it with what's happening in the dark like uh exchange isn't going to tell you uh if there's going to be these kind of rallies you need to marry that information together and then combine mm -hmm. it with um information about what the perception bias is going to be going into the future across different time horizons when you combine that together it's it's dynamite not that it, you can't get value out of just being aware of gamma exposure itself, but it's, it's not going to be able to give you 
you know, um, conviction at uh, like almost a hundred percent conviction that there's going to be a move that's never happened before. I haven't seen one indicator ever that you could go back and catch every single one of those capitulation panics that were V bottoms. There's never been a V bottom that this thing hasn't captured. Well, the way that this guy is talking, he's saying traders will be long theta and short gamma profile. Uh, expected outperformance from 4.6 to 4.9, taking advantage of fall and realized volatility and overall market dispersion. I'll be honest, I don't really know what that means. Well, when he's saying, okay, the, when he's talking about overall market dispersion, it means mm -hmm. that sometimes you have a market where everything goes up. And sometimes you have a market where there's only, it's, it's dispersed. So there could, there could be very isolated pockets going up a lot that carries the average up. So, and, and when he's talking about theta and all that other stuff, he's talking about more than one component of an option. Like it's not just about the gamma, but it's also about the time factor. And he's, he's playing the options market. And, but that's not going to give you the same information about what's going to necessarily happen if you're being a trader in the equity market. Like if you're a, like a long-term trader, intermediate term trader or short-term trader in the equity market, and you know that there's a gamma trade, like what I'm talking about, then it's not just telling you that in the short term, there's likely to be a massive move, but it's telling you there's going to be some kind of secular move that's going to take you in the all time frames up and blow through like, you know, create a whole new bull market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think there's, um, yeah, I mean, that's great for short term, like option trading, but it's not going to get, tell you that this is, this is the clear that, Hey, you know what? You could go in for a very, tradable like bounce that's going to be like the biggest and fastest bounce we've ever seen in history hey guys thanks for listening so this podcast is for information purposes only it is not intended to be advice seek a duly licensed professional for actual investment advice